Episode 25, Van Richten's Guide to Vampires, Part 1. Hi, this is Dragnacarta, DM for Curse of Strahd, Twice Bitten. You're listening to the Twice Bitten Podcast, a campaign where five Curse of Strahd DMs head back into the mists for a hauntingly familiar adventure. Starring Jack as Betrion, Kaya as Lillison, Linus as Amity, Serena as Kiva, and Twy as Deer. You can catch the horror live every Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Twitch at twitch.tv slash rcurseofstrahd, or watch new episodes every Monday on YouTube at youtube.com slash c slash rcurseofstrahd. You can also listen to new episodes of this podcast weekly at anchor.fm slash twice-bitten, or wherever you like to syndicate your podcasts. Now... Let's get right to Ravenloft. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Curse of Strahd Twice Bitten, the show where five DMs take on D&D's top gothic horror campaign. I'm Dragna Carta, your host and DM, and thank you to everyone for continuing to tune in. Hopefully we have an exciting time this week, though. I think we did also get some exciting news this past week from Wizards. Uh, I'm never talking about anything else ever again. <laughs> I, I, I guess you're excited, Serena. What came out this week? So we we finally got the confirmation of uh, Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. And y'all, I haven't slept since the announcement. <laughs> what are you most excited for? We, we, we got, what, like horror campaign guidelines, new Dark Lords and Domains, old Dark Lords and Domains. I want the monsters. My old Queen Azalyn is back. <laughs> And I am going to make sure that in every homebrew adaptation for what inevitably comes out about him, his skeleton is bedazzled, as he deserves. Absolutely. I'm, I'm glad that we finally have uh, Haggard Old Queen representation in 5e, because as, as, as one of them, I, I, I appreciate it. It's been sorely lacking. Point taken. Beautiful. If nothing else, I know that you guys can... Uh, Stop talking about the Foxglove twins every time Esmeralda comes up in the campaign and you're like, no. oh, the like scene. Look, they were the OGs. They deserve the respect. I mean, it looks like they'll get it. I'm just interested to see how they upgrade Esmeralda and Van Richten's staff locks. They're not gonna. I, I, I feel like they'll probably keep. That'd be lame. Ah, well. Well, we'll see what happens. We'll see if we can get any more news coming up. Otherwise, it's an exciting time to be your Ravenloft DM. On that note, we have our own little slice of Ravenloft coming up today. So without any further ado, let's get started with Curse of Strahd, Twice Bitten. A striking elven female with an almost ritualized poise, Kiva Cyrilai always endeavors to be a level-headed mediator and a soothing presence in the lives of all she meets. Determined to look ever forward, she relies on controlling day-to-day -day chaos Anyone who watches her for long enough, however, can clearly see there's something undeniably feral and unpredictable bubbling under the surface. In the company of these fine strangers, he is just Metrion. But across the Sword Coast, he's known as Metrion the Magnificent. He is a tiefling whose body and dress carry the signatures of a nomadic performer, as evidenced by the rougher edges of his costume and his sinewy frame covered in faded tattoos. Though he may not look like a typical magician, rest assured, 
he cleans up quite handsomely. The well-dressed, well-spoken half-elf who introduced herself as Lilisem has stayed away from the rest of the traveling group during the journey so far. Oh, she's friendly enough if someone strikes up a conversation with her. Charming, even. But left to her own devices, she invariably keeps to herself, and even looks nervous when anyone comes within ten feet of her. Amity, a terrifying deviloid with a tail that will knock your drink over if she gets too excited. Even worse, some pig follows her around and eats almost as much as she does. Yet, she's generous and easy to befriend, especially if you get her talking about her book of fables. Just, if she compares you to a fox, it's hard to tell if that's a compliment. Erythrandir is a high elf man who looks perpetually like he's never quite gotten enough sleep. After his departure from elven society, he found himself out in the wilderness, working as a ranger in the deep, deep woods. However, this did little to quell his passion for history, and he's found himself on the road to Neverwinter, hoping to track down a book that might hold the answer to a question he's held for a long, long time. And so, welcome back everyone, and let's find out where we last left off on Curse of Strahd, Twice Bitten. Making their way to the isolated village of Kresk Seeking Sanctuary at the Abbey of St. Markovia, our unlikely companions met the abbot, who they soon unlearned to, or at least suspected, to be an ancient celestial, driven to madness in his quest to cure the land of the malady he diagnosed within Strahd's curse. There they met and recruited as an ally, Esmeralda Davenir, a Vistana monster and vampire hunter who proved eager to join their uh, travels through Barovia. She suggested a voyage to Madame Ava, a Vistani fortune teller at Serapool, to learn what the future held and to learn how they might better prepare themselves to confront or defend from Strahd von Zarevich. That same day, they descended to Kresk, taking up residence with Baron Dmitri Kreskov and Baroness Anna Kreskova. There, they assisted with some tasks and chores, assisting the uh, Baron with some minor things around the house, while learning more about Kresk and its history and one another's history. But that night, a disaster struck when Strahd invaded the village, consorting with undead and wolves as he burned part of Kresk to the ground and forced the companions into a fight, not simply for their lives, but for themselves, their sanity and their friendships. Estrad invaded Kiva's mind and her darkest traumas. He also took Amity hostage and attempted to splinter the bond between Erthrandir and Lilithin. Estrad vanished into night, satisfied with the destruction he had wrought. The companions retreated to the Abbey of St. Markovia, there recovering and discussing new revelations that had come out regarding Lilithin and Metreon. The following morning, weary but prepared to journey eastward. First to an old tower on the shores of Lake Baratok, where Esmeralda aimed to pick up some of her items, including a wagon and some other tools of the trade, before heading to Velaki, 
to purchase a wedding dress for the benefit of the abbot who wished to marry his flesh golem Vasilka to Strahd in exchange for certain divine gifts. As they descended the mountain down into the village, however, Irina heard a voice calling to her, a familiar voice that guided her to the pool in the shrine of the white sun at the northern end of the village. There she saw a vision in the pool, a young man named Sergei who called to her, not by her name, but by the name Tatiana. She greeted him in turn, what seemed like old memories rushing to her, but could not close the connection. And whatever this vision was, whatever this mirage was, it was soon broken as lightning struck the day and rendered the pool's waters dark, destroying the nearby shrine. As Irina struggled with despair from the aftershocks of this encounter, her companions began to make the trek out of Kresk, through the gates, past the suspicious stares of the now terrified Kreskites, and onto the old Svalich road for what remained up ahead. And so, as you exit through the gates of Kresk, the guards and archers atop the walls and parapets watching you with mild trepidation, you slowly trudge through the snow-dusted gravel road leading down away from the village and find the settlement soon vanishing into the mists and trees behind you as the snow slowly melts across the forest floor, leaving chilled and frosty puddles of mud and sodden earth mixing with the moss upon the ground of the old Svalich road, the old trees shuddering and swaying across you, almost like their canopies breathe in a faint shuddering sigh as the gray skies overhead glare blankly down below. Each of you slowly trudging down the path toward your destination as Irina sags on her brother Ismark for support, her eyes still red and blotchy as she stares straight ahead, Ismark's fist curled so tight that his knuckles are nearly white, but his own face expressionless, stony, facing the road ahead. As Esmeralda leads you forward, setting her own brisk pace through the muddy road, a few moments of awkward silence pass before she coughs and turns, turns toward the others among you. So, I suppose now is as good a time as any. What do you all know about the vampires? They suck. <laughs> no, that is certainly accurate. Anything else beyond that? Rather less than we wish to, that is for certain. They can't go in houses. They've got some sort of mental compulsion if they look you in the eyes. Really fucking strong. He can cast spells like a more powerful magic user than I've seen. And he's got some sort of barrier around him or something that makes him really hard to hurt. Hard the to tell. red glow. But we didn't see that on the other spawn, so maybe that's just him. Yeah, and come to think of it, uh, the spawn didn't cast any spells, did I? None that I saw. That doesn't necessarily mean that they don't know any. He might not have been showing us his full power. But thinking about it, the other spawn were also 
They did not have that flash of red, but they were very difficult to actually deal lasting damage to. And uh, Lilithin looks just a little troubled um, as she says that. Earthrendeer nods. Yeah, very hard to hurt, and it seems like anything we did just kind of literally got peeled back. Now, uh, Ace, you don't mind if I call you Ace. Uh, so I was reading about them a little bit in this uh, this here book of mine, and uh, it said they couldn't come out in the daytime, but you know we've 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 seen Strahd out and about in the daytime. He he first attacked us in the daytime. So uh, is is everything I know wrong? Is, is this book wrong? And uh, he pulls out the book again and shows uh, shows us the cover, which has uh, written by Van Richten uh, on it. She glances over it and nods and then chuckles. As is uh, not enough. Feel free to call me what you like. Um, but uh, it is interesting. Um, to my knowledge, uh, every vampire is bound to some sort of place of death, uh, its own death specifically. A coffin, a crypt, uh, its grave. And there they must rest day by day. And well, they are nocturnal creatures, creatures of night. But uh, it is interesting, those in Bolivia that I have found do not quite seem so limited. There are, of course, variations of vampires, regional, uh, different countries have different permutations of uh, these kinds of curses. But um, as for Bolivia, it seems there might be something here to it. Uh, something that is difficult about the land, since perhaps the vampire... It may have something to do with the nature of the sunlight in this place. I have not seen the sun shine, um, and from what I have heard, the sun has not been seen in many, many years. Perhaps it is a consequence of uh, this domain beyond the mists. But beyond that, it is only speculation. But uh, it certainly does appear that Sword and his kin are not bound by dawn and dusk, although perhaps activity might be regulated. At this point, uh, Ismark does glance at the book uh, that Metron is holding, but he just kind of shakes his head and turns back to the road. You get the sense he's not in the mood for talking. Oh, my baby. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Metron puts it away and kind of uh, starts kind of... The gears are turning, starting to kind of think about which, uh, what Esmeralda has been talking about. And uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, come to think of it, it's, uh, I ain't never seen the sun out here. I mean, it's just always been gray. Yes, it is an interesting quirk of the area. I cannot tell if it is, well, I imagine it is metaphysical in nature. Certainly not, uh, well, Bolivia is split apart from the rest of the world. Worlds, one might say, depending on where you ask. But things here certainly do not seem natural, as uh, our experiences with spell work might indicate. Though, as we've seen, um, as you said, Kiva, Zalovich himself is quite capable of exercising uh, magical means. Yeah, I was I was gonna ask about that actually. Do you know why spells get twisted like that? That I do not know. Um, so I do know that Bolivia is one of many realms that um, are cast beyond or shaped in ways that we might not anticipate or understand. There are powers in this world that can twist the nature of magic in ways that might be alien to us. It seems probable that Bolivia might be touched in a similar way. The darkness on this land, it is 
a seeping art. It touches most things within the borders. I suppose I should not be surprised that magic is touched as well. Arthur looks oddly reassured by this. Etran does not. Many realms like this, you say? She shrugs. My people are quite experienced in traveling the mists, and there are some stories of caravans that have gone in ways beyond. But then again, I am not an especially accomplished storyteller. Um, so I could not tell you more. Hmm. Actually, yeah, that does spring me to another question. These... So when we entered here, it's not that we entered a physical location. It's that... Are we on another plane? She frowns. It is strange. Um, perhaps because uh, we are not bound by entirely the same limitations. My people tend to look at these things a bit differently uh, rather than planes, but as destinations and so it's connecting them. But Borovia is certainly its own uh, individual destination. Um, the mists and the roads that wind through them can take you to many places, and many places can lead to these roads. If the history of Barovia has any indications, then there have been many people from many places that have found themselves here over the centuries. Yeah, uh, we've seen a few of them. We're going to lift the mists today by some miracle. I do not know that you would find a single country, or a specific uh, country, uh, say, west of Klesk. I do not know what you would find. Wait. So, can we even get out of here, then? If we, you know, if we do what we're planning, then can we even get back home? That, I do not know. Again, I am not a seer, not a metaphysicist. Um, but uh, as far as I can tell, um, whatever is on the land it seems quite linked to Strahd and his own descent. It is, it is probable that removing him might have some impact. I would be I would be surprised if it did not. Perhaps we shall know more when uh, we encounter Madame Eva. Right, right, of course. Regardless, speaking of magic, you did mention one thing. Um, that Zalavish just seemed to be quite the accomplished mage. Now, I would note that um, vampires, as a rule, do not tend to be gifted with traditional spell work. It seems that, um, I mean, they have the charm, they have um, their own shape-shifting abilities. But Zaylevich himself does seem to be a proper mage. I suppose we should be lucky that their prowess in the arcane tends to progress quite slowly. So is, is this something he learned before he was a vampire, or can vampires actually do the sort of things, the fire and the the possession and, and all of that? The charm, yes. Uh, vampires, or at least uh, vampire elders, those the progenitors of their lines, such as Zelovich, are quite capable of such a charm. Um, the means of which can vary from place to place, but most vampires, especially those of a similar nature to Zelovich, uh, do require some form of eye contact. Um, but the actual spell work, the, the casting of Arcana, those involving incantations and uh, hand symbols and components, those are the work of mag magi, not of vampires. I am sure that some among you have practiced these arts. I myself am passingly familiar, but uh, 
it is quite likely that Zalovich um, perhaps um, picked it up at some point, maybe before um, his fall into vampirism. Uh, certainly a long time ago. Uh, I should hope vampires, as a general rule, tend to progress quite slowly in their tutelage of magic, perhaps because they find it difficult to connect to the weave in their state of undeath. So, given that he survived for several hundred years, from what we can tell, I would not like to think of what he might be if he had actually been able to study magic properly, as a mortal might have. Earthrendir's gone a bit green at all this. So, at minimum, yesterday I counted two fireball spells and whatever spell he was using to get into Kiva's mind, so... And knowing him, I strongly doubt he showed us all of his cards, which means if he was willing to show a fireball, then he's probably got more. Indeed, I think that it would be best to be watchful. His arcane prowess, again, he has had many years to hone his skills. Uh, he may not be an archmagist, but there are many powerful uh, spellcasters even below the uh, greatest wizards. Either, either that, or he was showing us something close to the pinnacle of his power in a way that was so deliberately casual that he wished us to believe that he was much more powerful even than that. Esmeralda shakes her head. Is that I very much doubt? Vampires, in general, tend to be elegant, especially where mortals are concerned. They do not take risks, uh, and they do not often bluff. Vampires are cunning creatures. They are also quite egotistical. They would not move themselves to use any more than the minimal force to deal with a mortal prey than is absolutely necessary. In the case of Zarevich, I would be very surprised if he used anything approaching his true power until forced to do so. Why is that? Is it that like becoming a vampire changes your personality somehow? I sincerely doubt that. I think he was just as much a prick in life as he is in death. Well, I don't, <laughs> I don't disagree. Do, you do not believe that uh, all that fire yesterday was simply showing off? No, I think that was uh, the bare minimum of what he was willing to exercise to accomplish his goals. Well, it is good to know that we merit such a great expenditure of power. Perhaps, uh, but one should be uh, cautious about such things. Vampires tend to believe, and, well, I do not doubt that Zarevich uh, was an unpleasant person in life. Undeath tends to warp one. Uh, whatever Zarevich was, uh, it is possible he was a monster in life, but if he was a monster when he lived, he is a demon now. Vampirism takes confidence and warps it into a much greater arrogance. It takes... Pride and warps it into the most vicious ego. A vampire by its nature believes that mortals are toys, barely conscious beings. But should the vampire be challenged meaningfully? Well, what would you do if an ant that you thought inconsequential suddenly removed uh, your pinky toe? I imagine you would probably try to kill it quite quickly. 
Overwhelming vengeance and fury are usually the norm for a vampire that is truly challenged. Well, so, none of this is reassuring. How are we supposed to go from? How are we supposed to go from you know where we are now to maybe possibly able to kill him without passing through that point where he squishes us? Well, there is one good thing about uh, this uh, dynamic. After all, one would not expect an ant to be capable of wounding one, let alone killing. Vampires are quite universally guilty of underestimating the risk of mortals. I am so, sure that if he heard me say so, he would acknowledge it and laugh and underestimate me regardless. Oh, he might be listening right now, just so you know. <laughs> well, in any case... Carpenter uh, nervously checks the foliage for bats. Make a perception check. Willison looks down at her toes. Kiva's just cracking her neck, like, yeah, I've heard this all before from men, so, you know. Five. Get off my back. That's just a five. Gotcha. Um, as Bolden nods, well, um, regardless, uh, there are additional uh, weaknesses of vampires. Um, sunlight is deadly to them. Uh, if you have magic capable of conjuring it, it is quite powerful, though. In Barovia, um, we do not seem to have a reliable natural source. Um, if one is ab able to uh, wound a vampire sufficiently in a place uh, far away from its uh, crypt, the vampire will be um, reduced to a gaseous state. You might have seen Zarovich transforming into a, a cloud of mist at times. Once reduced to this state by force, the vampire has quite a... Uh, short timer to make its way back to its crypt. If it does not make it there on time, it is... go. Ah, and I suppose this crypt is probably in the castle? Almost certainly. That is uh, almost certainly well defended as well for Zarovich, even if it is not required to, almost certainly rests there when he chooses. But uh, if slain sufficiently far away, he will not be able to retreat there. So, of course, if slain within the castle, in most scenarios, uh, the vampire can retreat to the crypt and regenerate. Destroying a vampire is exceptionally difficult. Even if they are killed, they can regenerate in their coffin if killed sufficiently close. The only obstacle to that is sunlight and, well, I've only heard of uh, one instance in which uh, a vampire sufficiently close to their coffin was destroyed before reaching it. Have you mm -hmm. killed any vampires? She uh, regards you for a moment and then kind of tilts her head to the side, giving you a slightly feral grin. What do you think? Well, I mean, I don't know. It's one masking. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Maybe I should rephrase. So, you know, uh, when we fought against uh, some of his... Uh, what was it kin spawn? I don't know what they're called. They 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 was powerful, but they didn't seem as powerful as him. So I mean, have you ever gone up against someone like him? You know, someone uh, a vampire that's maybe a bit more vampire-y? She nods, looking thoughtful. 
I have uh, engaged a uh, vampire uh, directly or indirectly on solely occasions. On two occasions, the vampire was destroyed. On the third, I barely escaped with my life. And do not take that to mean that I am um, uniquely capable of defeating vampires, that vampires ought to be trifled with. In most situations, those that engage vampires do not live to tell the tale. Escaping, it's alone a miracle. I underestimated it. Mitrion kind of sighs a little bit, smiles at her um, with a little bit of a toothy grin. But in the other occasions, um, one in which I had assistance in the other, um, I was able to uh, take her down myself uh, with sufficient trickery and uh, a bit of help. Um, a few resources that she was not quite expecting. As it turns out, um, the spawn of a vampire can be, uh, in some cases, uh, helpful and well. This is another story. I do not anticipate running it into a similar situation with Zelovich. Wait, what's the, what, what situation is that? Oh, um, the spawn of a vampire in general, um, they are enslaved to its will, um, but that does not mean that they are, we are puppets for it to control. They can make mistakes, they can be fooled. In that particular case, um, I managed to glean enough information from one of the vampire's kin that um, dispatching it was, uh, was in their reach. Good on you. Well, thank you. As for spawn in general, those I have slain oh, dozens, I am sure. Uh, they tend to be much easier to dispatch than they are than their progenitors, especially when they are uh, bound and helpless in the day. Would you say that watching out for perhaps one of Zarevich's spawn who may not be completely content with his master would not be a particularly fruitful avenue of inquiry? She um, frowns again. Well, vampire spawn tend to be, well, well, they are chained to the vampire's will, uh, under the control completely. There are some circumstances under which a uh, spawn can be relinquished from that control. In the event of its uh, master's death, they become quite free-willed. Uh, there are other cases in which a vampire can uh, permit a spawn to undergo a certain ritual that transforms the spawn into a true a vampire of equal status. But as one might expect, vampires being what they are, that is exceedingly rare. But even if they are chained to that will in whatever magical bonds there might be, there is no, no particular hope of finding one who can find subtle ways to undermine him. It can vary from in cases, but um, ordinarily, um, it is not simply the um, it is not simply the actions, but the will of the spawn that is bent by the vampire's will. Um, there are reports of spawn awakening uh, when their master dies uh, to their own wills for the first time in years, decades, 
centuries in some cases. So few spawns survive that long. Vampires tend to kill those uh, of their servants that uh, grow too old in power. But um, it is... Um, have you experience with uh, enchantment magics? The ones that uh, bend one's will? Lawson just smiles. It is similar in a respect. The spawn, in most cases, want to want what their progenitor has commanded of them. This urge can recede uh, over months or years after the vampire's death, but finding a spawn willing to push the boundaries of this dominion is exceedingly difficult. Ah, I see. Throughout this conversation, Kiva just sort of blanches a little bit and uh, decides to not walk necessarily as fast as the rest of the group, just slips to the back. Regardless, one thing that I should warn you, if any of you are anticipating going up against Stradovan Zerovich, well, I do not mean to imply anything regarding your capabilities following last night or last evening's uh, encounter. But um, as you have seen, I am sure vampires are not leery of abusing one's anything that might be viewed as a vulnerability. Well and aware. So that is uh, a discomforting thought. I'm sure that none of you wish to hear that this early in the morning, but it is worth keeping in mind. Um, if you wish to hunt vampires, you must overcome and master those weaknesses as much as you can. Or you will, when you go against a vampire, as a, a teacher of mine used to say, you're not battling just the beast, but yourself as well. For if you do not win the battle against your own weaknesses, the vampire surely will. Honest opinion. If he had wanted to kill us last night, all of us, including you, you think he could do it? Or could have done it? It is... <sighs> I do not know if that is necessarily the appropriate question to ask. Um, vampires are immortals. Um, they also... Well... Immortals, as a rule, tend to have two concerns that they encounter, especially those that are so isolated from civilization as vampires tend to be. First, since they lack family, friends, a place in society, they tend to grow bored. They tend to seek their entertainments. And second, because they have sacrificed so much to gain life as a lasting, they are extraordinarily reluctant to risk it in any way. After all, the vampire can kill and kill and kill, but it takes only one warrior with a lucky blade to end an eternity of undeath forever. So I certainly think it is possible that Zarovich could have slain us all, should he wished it, but doing so would have defeated these two goals. He would have lost a valuable entertainment, and, well... If at any point the tide of battle had forced him to struggle, even slightly, that would be an unacceptable risk. Even if he were sure to, beyond a reasonable doubt, that he could have won in the end, that nagging suspicion that he might not come out on top, 
I did not see a vampire sticking around unless uh, they had few other choices. So he definitely could have, is what all that comes out to mean. <laughs> Perhaps if you wish to uh, look at it um, that way, yes. I, if those, uh, if 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 um, all of the, um, if the emotional state of the vampire, um, it was removed completely, then um, it was a whatever body and powers are left. Yes, I do not doubt that Zalavish could have killed us all to a one. That is why preparation and strategizing are critical. But you're saying his that terms, not ours. We're, we're strong enough, at least, that if we, you know, since we're at least trying to fight back, as long as he gets his gloating off or whatever, then he'll leave instead of trying to finish the job. I am hearing something rather different. I believe that if we are as ants to him, then we should not take that step where we remove his pinky toe, we should do the minimum possible um, amusement that he requires, but save our true strength for striking at his heart. Right, but we, we shouldn't do nothing either, or else, you know, he won't he won't be able to gloat and, and be entertained or whatever. Yeah, I, the... Or, go ahead. No, I just... I, I don't know exactly where the, the balance is, I just... Emily's kind of shaking. I just do we do we just do what we did that time every time? The minimum possible amusement last night almost ended in me killing one of you. I'm uh not really ready to see what happens when we step that up one stage. Not uh you, you'll pardon me if I don't really want one of y'all to have to make that decision or to you know find out what else he's cooked up in however many years. Apparently Wilson hundreds. Wilson looked over at Erthrandir just like in a in a very cool and like evaluating way. I'm sure we could have um, dragged out the entertainment quite profitably without actually harming one another. I, I'd like to think so. I was I was planning yesterday for ways to try and non-lethal blows and distractions and all that, but if if he does want more every time, then then eventually he's drunk from us, he's tried to turn us against each other, he's made us dance for his amusement. Next time it might not be something we can recover from. But that's just it, isn't it? I mean it's just cruelty, you know, it's he if if you had done something, if you had that stabbed Lilith in the way you, you stabbed him apparently you know even if you did try to heal him with her you know bring her back to life or whatever you would have done it anyway you would have stabbed someone one of us you know it's it's not about the result it's about the choice you're making Earth and Deer nods looking a bit sick yeah people like him want people to follow their path. He wants to see how far we'll fall. And as long as we refuse, I think he'll find some entertainment in that. He likes fight. So we'll give it to him. 
as long as it takes. It is, so, after all, no fun to break something that's already broken. So we're dinner, we're dinner in a show for him then, right? Look, if that's what he wants, then I'll give him a hell of a show. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, I'd rather not. I'd especially like to not be his dinner. I think Esmeralda is right, of course, but planning is the most important thing. And this Ava woman will help us to do that, to figure out the next step so that next time we can do the minimum to entertain him and maybe hide an ace in the hole that he's too arrogant to expect. You'll forgive me if I'm not reassured by the idea of carefully calculating the minimum for this man. I have faith that we will figure out the best course of action. And if we don't, I'll make him work for his meal. That's all I can do. That I think would be, um, if nothing else, a good way to look at it. Do what one can to bide one's time. It, from your the way you speak of it, it seems that uh, Zelovich will not uh, release his claws from you that easily. So you must decide that uh, should you ever wish to attempt something permanent against him, it must be on your terms. And your ace must not be an ace, it must be a certainty. For if you fail, well, nothing is more dangerous than the vampire who has almost been killed. So we're damned if we do, we're damned if we don't. If we don't fight and put up a show, we're going to die. And if we do, we'll probably die anyway. Let's crack on then, yeah? Let's go get our fortunes told. We're all going to die someday anyway. Lillison... Not helping. Not particularly. Kiva gives her a smile. She grins back. You know, some of us have already died, so you know, you've already got that going for you. You continue forward through uh, upon the trail, passing forward through the old Spalich Road. Um, Esmeralda falls quiet and just looks thoughtful for a bit. Well, I suppose that, um, and at this point, you begin passing through the familiar crossroads over the Raven River. She glances over the signpost. Well, it should not be long, I imagine, now before we um, come to our crossing. Um, while you proceed forward, is there anything that the uh, others among you would like to do on the road? No. All right. You continue on then, passing down the uh, muddy road as you leave the bridge over the Raven River behind 
passing by the trail that leads south toward the Wizard of Wines winery and continuing eastward. After uh, a few minutes more of travel, you pass by the southern path that winds up into the southern mountain. And then, before long after that, to the small, narrow, wooden trail that cuts through the trees, winding and meandering its way between their creeping roots. Esmeralda nods. All right, this is our stop. She turns and the others among you follow. As you pass forward, leaving the main road behind, uh, passing through the um, old wide dirt trail, the air is chill and a soft, uh, cold breeze cuts to the trees, causing their claw-like boughs to rattle and creak and groan in the wind. Can yes. I do a... Oh, I'm sorry. Yep. Yep. I just wanted to do a... I just wanted to see if there are any bats. Just, you know, our hourly checkup. <laughs> All right, go for it. That's a four. And you do not see any bats. However, as you pass through the trees and begin curving left at an intersection in the trail, you do see something else. You come to an old mountain lake, enclosed by misty woods and rocky bluffs. Thick fog creeps across the dark, still waters, and the trail ends at a grass-covered causeway that stretches a hundred yards across the lake to a flat, marshy island with a stone tower on it. The tower is old and decrepit, with collapsing scaffolds clinging to one side where a large gash has split the wall. Time-worn griffin statues, their wings and flanks covered with moss, perch atop buttresses that support the walls. Parked near the base of the tower, within sight of the entrance, is a barrel-topped wagon spattered with mud. Several yards away from the barrel-topped wagon sits a familiar carnival wagon, its colorful paint faded and peeling off. Esmeralda like blinks. visibly shakes off the gloom that's been settling over him since they left Kresk and just stares at the tower open-mouthed. Oh, good gracious. Look at this thing. The location, the architecture. Esmeralda, what is this? This is... Uh, well, it, it's an old tower. They are certain, but... Sorry, um... It's an old mage's tower, from what I could glean, at least it appears to be. It is um, a bit of an odd architecture. Um, seems to have stood here for ages. The thing that has not stood here for ages, that was not here the last time I arrived, was that carnival wagon. Ah. Does that look familiar? It is. Uh, you have anyone who has been to Erisex Stockyard immediately recognizes it as Rictavio's wagon. Oh. That's what's he doing here. Is the lion still in? Uh, Ismark frowns. He did say that he was heading west, but I thought he was going to Kresk or something. I didn't imagine that he was coming to some sort of isolated place like this. So where is he then? I mean, not much barding you can do in the middle of nowhere. Esmeralda frowns. Where is he indeed? If he knows of this place, I would certainly very much like to meet this Octavia. Well, uh, one way to find out. Uh, do you know Mage's Tower 
is is the do you just open the door or is there uh as usual some obtuse fucking puzzle well yeah what's that thing up there uh, there are a few things that i must uh, fetch from my own wagon um and then uh we can discuss uh but as we approach um please do not touch uh do not approach uh, the tower or its door okay all right good um she leads you across the causeway your boots squelching in the uh muddy gravelly earth you hear the soft washing of uh water against the sides there slowly as you make your way across the uh mirror-like uh lake around you misting softly in the chill air you approach the barrel-topped wagon first at Esmeralda's guidance. You can see that under layers of mud, the wagon sports a fresh coat of purple paint and its wheels have fancy gold trim. A brass lantern hangs from each corner and red drapes cover a tombstone-shaped window on each side. A steel padlock secures the back door, hanging from which is a cheap wooden sign that reads, Keep Out. Esmeralda holds up a finger. Uh, one moment, please. Uh, I'll be right back. And she makes her way toward the wagon, but instead of going through the door, she crawls, diving underneath the uh, space below the wagon. You hear her fiddling with something on the base. You hear a click, and then her form vanishes up into the wagon. But that's one way to do it. A few moments later, you hear... um, footsteps and a few more uh, clicking sounds and then the uh, door to the wagon opens you see Esmeralda emerge um, a what seems to be a a, um, a wooden tube tucked under one arm um, and uh, slowly makes her way uh, stepping down um, out of it behind her you can see a kind of cacophonous mess of shelves and drawers and pots and pans and uh, uh, several boxes and uh, chests, uh, paraphernalia across the walls and strung across it all with dozens and dozens of um, uh, roundish uh, uh, glass vials containing a greenish liquid that sizzles and uh, sparks within the, um, the containers. Concerned about breaking in there? A little bit. One cannot be too careful with uh, what uh, one has amassed. Erkendir's um, just staring at the walls of greenish liquid. Are you fucking insane? It is a reasonable security measure. Do you... I... These things compound, you know, when they're set off simultaneously. I know. I've watched. Do you know what would happen if one of those broke? I'm certain she knows, and that it is intentional. It's a... that she is driving around a firebomb? That's absurd! You don't... Seems pretty smart to me. I mean, if you don't want people touching your shit. But if someone tries touching your shit, then all your shit blows up, and also they blow up? Well, obviously, if she's the one in there, it's not gonna happen, but if someone else, when she's not here, like, she left her wagon, it makes sense. What if it hits a rock while you're driving? Are they... I hope they're secure. Hell of a way to go out. Yes, in an inferno that will scorch everything in, like, a 50-foot radius. 
Amity backs up 60 feet away from the wagon. Yeah, Mithrin goes. <laughs> he has just got the heart eyes at Ed. <laughs> yeah, no. Erythrindir, like, shoots her a uh, half, like, amused, half dirty look. Like, seriously, how can you do daily operations in that thing? It's like, like, making a home in a dragon's mouth. Esmeralda, you don't actually have to answer this, but is this your actual wagon, or is it a decoy meant to explode when um, something gets a bit too bold around your operations? Esmeralda uh, raises an eyebrow for a second. Oh yes, congratulations. I did not think anyone would catch me. No, I'm kidding. Uh, this wagon <laughs> is quite valuable to me. I would not like to see it. Uh, Passions is the wrong hands as well. Fear not, when I am present, um, the defense mechanisms are quite well secured. Um, but while I was absent, I thought it prudent to ensure that in this land specifically, um, that uh, given the isolation of this location, that anyone who might wish to intrude would be, um, well, obliterated. Uh, I was going to say a vampire, but that works too. Well, uh, um, all right. I'm glad you've rigged your house to make people into smears, but, uh, did you get, did you get what you needed from there? I did. There are a few other things that we might need, um, especially if we are heading to, uh, Velaki. But, um, you don't happen to have any wine in there, do you? I do not kind have any wine. My apologies. Yeah, yeah, we'll get back to Velaki. <laughs> well, um... Regardless, um, she turns back toward the tower, frowning, and the wagon. I am indeed quite curious about this wagon here. You said, what, who is this man, uh, Octavio, that you said it belongs to? A performer, um, a half-elf, the only other one that I've seen here. He was, um, entertaining the, uh, common folk in Valaki when we arrived, and I believe we heard that he had to leave town very quickly after some sort of incident uh, while we were not there. Yeah, Ismark, you were there for it, right? What exactly happened? Ismark uh, frowns. I heard rumors that there was some sort of um, monster stalking the streets. Uh, some said it was some kind of lion or other large cat. Um, I unfortunately did not stick around long enough to hear exactly uh, what its nature was. I was a bit, anyone says, indisposed. If we do think that, that sending might work okay inside the mist, I could try um, calling him. We could do that, but make sure that we do not reveal too much information, just in case. And it also, I'm not sure if he's familiar with magic. Like, I know that folks who just suddenly get a message in their mind tend to get a little spooked. But why don't we just go in the tower and see if he's dead? I mean, if his wagon's out here. Right, I would prefer saving um, sendings for the end of the day anyway. You know, just in case I have to use magic for something else. Wise woman. Especially wise, uh, given that if he is in the tower, I do not believe such a messaging spell would work. Oh. What do you mean? 
Well, um, would one of you, uh, uh, spellcasters, if you would mind uh, stepping close to the tower, don't touch it, but uh, step close to the tower and uh, cast some sort of spell. Metron pushes Randy yeah. closer. <laughs> hey! <laughs> Just uh, targeting some of the, uh, the, the reeds or cattails around the lake. All right, sure. Earthrendir kind of fumbles with his wand and... Yeah, he's going to try and cast a minor illusion of, of like a waving hand at the others and then a single extended metal finger at Metreon. <laughs> All right, you do that. Um, reaching for the magic and nothing. It's like this connection in the back of your mind to this tapestry of power and energy that you've always felt. And as you reach for it, the pieces fall apart. And then you look up slowly and you see the shadow of the old stone tower looming above you. Oh, you cannot be fucking serious. Oh, but I am entirely. I discovered it myself the first time that I came here. Erthrandir's grinning. Like, you really? They really? They rigged one of those to this thing? Is it? Is it permanent? Or do you have to turn it on? As far as I can tell, it is quite permanent. At least uh, <laughs> in a small radius in uh, the interior. <laughs> he looks slightly concerned and looks at uh, Kiva. Is he quite twin? Um... You know, he's a bit of a dork, so if there's, like, some really freaky things going on, he's probably really invested. I wouldn't worry too much about it. <laughs> oh, 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 there's some kind of shenanigans you can do here? I mean, I would have expected... I guess my magic's not working here, so that would be, like, the opposite of shenanigans. Oh, no, no, you don't get it. It's not just the anti-shenanigans. It is a field of anti-shenanigans. This is... This... this The R around this tower nullifies magic. Permanently. Not, like, permanently for us, but, like, they they have a permanent 8th-level spell rigged to this thing. So why don't we just fuck around here and wait for Strahd to come, and then we just, you know, pick him off when he's not using his magic? Yeah, he you can know. also rip out our throats with his teeth. Right, but we can, we can handle that if he's not shooting fireballs at us. Also, most of us rely on magic to do anything to him, aside from you. All, all right, fair. Look, he called me a dork. I gotta... I mean, it's I not mean, untrue. What was not dorky about that display that you just did? I thought I was showing a, you know, reasonable level of appreciation for a fucking work of arch wizardry standing in the middle of fucking nowhere. Kiva just raises an eyebrow at Esmeralda. Oh, I, I see what you're saying now. It's it's anti-shenanigans. So if, if he tries to do that charm thing again, we can just go here. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Does, does this place... And Lillison starts walking towards it slowly. Does this place count as a dwelling? Uh, as far as I would imagine, I uh, resided here for some time. Uh, not long, but um, uh, a bit of a period when I was searching for uh, Van Richten and following in his footsteps. Um, I would imagine that, uh, it, well, it is an enclosed structure. It is falling apart in some places, but um, the rules of magic uh, and other uh, metaphysical things do not tend to discriminate against the... Uh, the upkeep of one's home, I would suggest so long as it's used as a dwelling, um, this tower certainly would uh, resemble one. I, I would be surprised if a vampire could enter so long as it is being uh, resided within as a semi-permanent residence. Lilliston looks over to Erythrindir. 
This place is such a godsend. I, I don't understand how no one's used it. Like, you'd think that anyone with any degree of, like, understanding of the situation of this land would just either have destroyed this years ago or have moved it, for, used it for their own purposes. But it's just here? But, yeah, no, if we can, like, we could use this as a... I mean, we'd be a bit cramped, it looks like, but we could use this as a base. I mean, forever long we're here. Lakefront I mean, property, um, beautiful view. I don't know how many bedrooms. Mm. Yeah, this, this place yeah. is pretty great. No, I mean, no, you, you, you may want to ask the current resident, and Metreon kind of nudges his head over towards Esmeralda. Well, I suppose it remains to be seen if uh, this Octavio has found his way inside. I would be surprised. It took me a bit of time to uh, figure out how to enter. Um, and as it points, she turns toward the door of the tower. Isn't there just a hole on the side? Well, there is, but um, I myself do not trust the scaffolding. You're welcome to try it yourself. Mm, I like my limbs. Entirely reasonable. But this door is quite interesting. And as she beckons you toward it, you can see that the tower door is made of iron with no visible handles or hinges. In the middle of the door is a large embossed symbol, a connected series of lines with eight stick figures set around it. Carved into the lintel above the door is a word. Kazan. Do these symbols mean anything? Indeed they do. They seem to resemble a... From what I've gleaned, they resemble a particular series of motions that one must undertake if they are seeking to gain access. Um, you can see that it resembles a silhouette, uh, arms and legs. Oh yeah, it's like a little stick figure. Indeed. Uh, there is a pattern that is a sort of um, ritualistic movement that one must undertake. Um, but it is not quite so simple as going around the exterior of the dial, I have found. Um, you see those lines. Yeah. As, uh, must... as she's talking, Metreon starts doing yep. the, the stop, 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 stop. Oh. She immediately like slams your arms back to your sides. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, just... I would not suggest. Let me explain for a moment. Uh, this is an Archwizard's tower, and we had best not... Um... Well, I have strongly suspected that there might be extremely adverse consequences if it is not open properly. You hear the sound of pattering feet, and then Erythrindir getting a great deal of distance from the door. Esmeralda sighs and says, From what I figured out, the secret is to emulate the positions depicted uh, to complete the movements required, but one cannot go around the dial. One must start at the end of the line and make their way along each vertex, along each uh, endpoint. Uh, each bend where it stops along a single position until they have made their way through the entire array and out at the other end. Amity thumps the ground with her tail. Wait, you're saying that there's someone powerful enough to cast, what do you say, I think you an eighth level spell on this whole place, and instead of like a key, they decided to guard it with connect the dots? <laughs> well, the way I see it, um, well, first off, is the fact that this door exists at all means that some sort of magic exists in the tower, which means that whoever this mage was could probably make their way inside themselves, which means that it, the door was not meant for the mage, I think. 
It's really less more of connected dots and more just like, you know, uh, dance, I think, you know, just with the arm movements and he starts lifting his arms up and m mimicking the movements again. Come right, on, Amy's uh, going to slam those arms down if she can. Sorry, I, I'm sorry, I forgot, I forgot. As much knows how to do it. Wait, wait, we don't know which way the line goes. It, it's, it's, uh, well, um, unfortunately, it only worked for a person once, so I cannot do it again. But, um, Amity, you seem uh, quite capable of these sorts of, uh, Arts. If you, what I did, I started at the top left and I made my way um, uh, along the lines there. So top left down to the bottoms and up to the top. You see how it works? Oh, yeah, I see how it works. Um, I mean, I'm, Metreon, if you were already starting, uh, feel free to just take it. Emily's going to back up. I mean, if you want to. Oh, no, it's on me then, eh? Yes. Uh, fine. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he will he'll start from the upper uh, left. What is that? 10 o'clock. Uh, and just kind of like do the first pose and then kind of like follow the line down, do the second pose and so on and so forth until he comes out onto, uh, I guess it's 3 o'clock, uh, with the arms down, legs spread. All right. Uh, you go through each motion in turn, both arms up, then one down and, uh, and one up, then both out wide and through each of them, going through each of the motions, forming this kind of ritualistic dance. Um, and as the other ones look at it, it, actually, you notice that the legs aren't moving, the body isn't moving. So it's just kind of this stiff, like, out, up, like, up, down, up, down, like this very awkward, stilted, almost like mechanical motion of his arms bending at right angles in 180 degrees. Um, though he's so focused on the door that it looks almost kind of like very self-important, very focused. You see, like, small bits of sweat beating on his forehead. And then he finishes and you hear a click and a soft groan as the door pushes inward a few inches. As do we all have to do that dance? Oh no, it's, 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 uh, we're perfectly fine. She steps forward uh, with a grin and slaps Metron on the back. Great, now you know how to do it again when we come back. Hell Wait, yeah, we'll fucking dance it. This might not be an ideal home if we can only get in a total of one, two, three, like seven times. Oh no. You should be fine. Metzion can take it from here. Well, let's let's get in there, yeah. Arthur Deer is just losing his shit into his handkerchief. Ah, I, I thought I. Okay, I, I knew I liked you. Metzion kind of does a little shoulder shuffle as he starts to walk inside. Hey, you did a good job. Wilson is gonna wait for everybody else to precede her. And uh, when, you know, most of everybody else is not looking, um, standing close to the tower, she's going to just quietly try to cast um, Acid Splash at the ground. While standing uh, close to it? Before going in the tower, in, in case Lilson's doing this after everyone else has already gone in, Amity would like to inspect the scaffolding to see how recent it is, if that's possible. Sure. Uh, you can see that the scaffolding is supported by rotting wooden beams. So the scaffolding itself groaning and creaking with the slightest breeze. You can see that from here, a series of ladders and platforms lead to a hole in the northwest wall on the third floor. If you'd like to inspect it more closely to see about how old it is, you can make uh, an investigation check. I would. That is a 15 investigation. 15. Um, fairly old. Uh, at the youngest decades like maybe even more than a century 
Excellent. No one's been here recently, then. I mean, using the scaffolding. Amity will go in. All right. You pass inside. Um, within, you can see a, um, a torn uh, maroon curtain that Esmeralda and uh, Metreon push aside as they make their way inside. Uh, Lillison, on the outside, you were casting some spells? Yes, Lillison's going to try to cast Acid Splash at the ground. All right, while standing close to the tower? All right, you do it and reach for that that bubble, that swirling maelstrom of acidic, poisonous magic that has dwelled at the back of your mind for years. And when you reach for it, you brace yourself for that familiar caustic sensation of your sense of self touching this bubbling mass that has dwelled somewhere within you, and you feel nothing. You feel a void, an inert medium whatever it was, while you're standing here, it's cut off. Wilson stands very, very still for a moment, and then in very quick um, succession, she tries to go through every spell she knows. Um, you go through every spell you know, um, and actually, let me double-check something very quickly. Um, you go through all your cantrips and you cast one of the um, uh, lower level spells you know um, and as you do you notice that a bit of um, the energy that you usually uh, expend to cast a spell actually does vanish from you as you cast a first level spell but no magical effects protrude so unless you want to keep going uh, you get the sense that you'll keep spending spell slots but nothing will happen Okay. Um, she probably ends up spell, um, spending two first level spell slots before stopping, um, sort of slumping against the outer wall of the tower. Um, her eyes are wide and she is breathing pretty hard and clutching at her arms. Uh, Kiva would notice eventually that she's not with him and would just sort of poke her head back outside and just say, uh, Lil. Are you okay? Lillison very quickly uh, straightens up, um, brushes off her sleeves and um, the back of uh, her tunic where she had been leaning against the wall uh, and says, This mm, very odd sensation. I will have to talk to Erythrindir about this. It is, um, yes, impressive magical engineering. And uh, she just turns and walks in as well. Kiva looks a little right. bit disappointed when she says that she's going to uh, talk to Erythrindir instead of talk to her, but whatever. Metron and Esmeralda leading the way, you enter into the lower chamber of the tower. As you pass through the curtain, you can see that the flagstone floor is strewn with debris and a few old crates stand near the east wall. You can see a torn curtain to the south, the one through which you've just passed, partially obscures the tower vestibule. A five-foot square indentation in the center of the floor contains four pulleys attached to taut iron chains that stretch up through a similarly-sized hole in the rotted wooden ceiling. Standing next to the chains are four tall clay statues. Toward the rear of the chamber, beside a crate piled with several metallic plates, lies a massive golden-furred tiger with chestnut markings down its hide. A well-gnawed bone sits between its paws and a half-eaten wolf carcass lies a few feet away. Two tusk-like teeth descend from the tiger's upper lip, and its slitted green eyes watch you intently as you approach, a low growl rising from its chest. Amity, uh, you want to talk to this thing? Tell it not to kill us. 
Uh, it's, it's sorry. It's 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 like secure inside the wagon, right? It's no. It is oh, wait, lying wait, on the floor of this room. Oh God! I yeah, it's it's completely. <laughs> what the hell? It's there's a lion lying on the floor of this fucking room. Great. Yeah, Amity has animal uh, friendship. Hello. <laughs> okay. Uh, you spend the spell slot, and then nothing happens. Amity immediately realizes, like, fuck. <laughs> um, as you as you do that, the tiger uh, stands, uh, slowly begins to shift its weight, its hackles rising as it uh, presses itself up. Ow. Emily's no longer in the tower. All right, point. as you as you rush toward <laughs> the exit, like swooshing <laughs> through the uh, curtain, um, the rest of you look at this tiger that is glaring at you intently, and then you hear echoing from uh, through the hole in the uh, floor above a voice. Hamasis, let our guests be. Please, those that are down there, do feel free to join me. Uh, does that that does not sound like the Rictavio that we knew, correct? <laughs> no, it does not. Okay, so who the fuck is this guy then? Esmeralda's face hardens, uh, though you can see like a sort of a smirk on her face. Is that the voice that I know very well? Oh, this is your your friend, the Van Richten. She nods. Well, it's just a whole family reunion today, isn't it? I think that I have some questions. You hear um, an echo from above again. I do imagine that you know how to uh, work the elevator. Esmeralda calls up. Indeed, we will be there in just a moment. She glances at each of you and then steps onto the, the platform at the center, uh, beckoning for you to join her. You sure you don't want to be alone for this? Like, you know, this is... You haven't seen this guy in a while, right? This is fine. Come on. Uh, she was hot the, on her heels wherever Esmeralda wants her to go. Same. All right. How big is this platform? The platform itself is not incredibly wide. Like, you have to kind of smush yourselves in. Um, kind of like a packed subway car. Yeah, Lillicent is not going to smush herself in. She's going to take a step Very back. Very fair. <laughs> All right. Um, is Mark and Irina kind of uh, stay with you as well? Uh, it seems a bit overcrowded. Um, is Mark kind of glances and says, maybe we'll uh, get the next one? <laughs> we'll see you up top, yeah? He nods. Uh, and at that, Esmeralda turns toward the uh, clay statues and says, up, if you please. And you watch as the statues stiffen, uh, clay dust sifting from their old joints, and then slowly they begin to move, their arms pulling up on the chains that um, carry the platform, beginning to pull hand over hand, glacially slowly, but you hear a shuddering groan as the platform beneath you shakes, swaying slightly, and then begins to lift ever so slowly into the air. I hope that's your uh, battle axe, as uh, not Randy's wand poking in me back. Uh, go to hell. Yeah, Erythrindu's got like a death grip on Amity's hand. I hate this so much. Amity's holding onto one of the chains 
uh, to make sure she doesn't fall off. Uh, it, <laughs> it's she, she's just sort of breathing. She's not responding yet. As you move, the elevator is not by any means a smooth ride. You hear it creaking with rust, uh, flakes uh, peeling off of the chains as they make their way through the pulley system and spattering down on your um, shoulders in places like flakes of uh, uh, reddish brown snow. Um, it groans and shudders as it moves, uh, at times lurching up a few inches and then stopping and swaying from side to side. Um, every 10 seconds or so, it barely moves 10 feet. And as it does, you slowly get a view of the other floors of the tower as you pass through them. As you ascend to the second floor, you can see dust and cobwebs filling this otherwise empty room, the f wooden floor of which is badly rotted and partially collapsed. Another 15, 20 seconds pass as the statues slowly pull the platform higher and you find yourselves looking out over the third floor. Time and the elements have all but destroyed this chamber, leaving a gash in the northwest wall and slimy back mildew on the walls. The wooden floor is completely rotted and has begun to fall away in places. Another 15, 20 seconds of groaning and shuddering as the platform sways and the statues below slowly pull the chains higher and higher. And as that they do, your head slowly break above the floor of the fourth level of the tower. Unlike the levels below, this room shows signs of recent habitation. And although the place reeks of mold and mildew, it has plenty of creature comforts, including a cozy bed, a desk with matching chair, bright tapestries, and a large iron stove with plenty of wood to feed it. Light enters through arrow slits as well as through dirt-caked windows with broken shutters. Other features of the room include a standing suit of armor, an old crate, and a wooden chest. Old wooden rafters bend under the weight of the tower roof, which has somehow remained intact, and mounted to the rafters are pulleys, around which hang iron chains that support the tower's elevator platform. Sitting in the chair beside the desk, you see a man. An older man with the front half of his scalp bare and the back half covered with a shock of silver gray hair pulled backward behind his head and running down the sides of his face in mutton chops before coming to the point of a well-trimmed goatee. Worn lines run across his face and a pair of dark spectacles rest upon his nose. He wears a fine crafted though well-worn brown leather coat over a white dress tunic and functional brown pants tucked into tall leather boots reinforced with iron heels and toes. At his side, resting against the arm of the chair, you see a cane topped with a gilded carving of a silver falcon's head. And as he regards you, sitting back in his seat, he carries himself with a quiet, nonchalant air, such that one could almost easily miss him in a crowd, you feel, if they didn't know to notice him. The platform comes to a shuddering halt, dust spilling up into the air for a moment before settling back down. And the man nods, not toward you, but to the woman with you. Esmeralda, it has been quite a while. You look well. She steps off of the platform, shaking her hair loose and flexing her shoulders. Indeed, Dr. Van Lichten, it has been a while. I confess I did not expect to see you here. The man exhales uh, and standing, tucks his 
cane under his arm and pulls a hat that you hadn't noticed from the uh, desk on over to his silver gray hair. Indeed. Yet I have not had the pleasure of meeting your associates. Does the hat look familiar? The hat does not look familiar. You have okay. never seen this hat before. Okay. Esmeralda turns toward the group of you. Well, these are a number of uh, uh, companions that I have encountered elsewhere in the realm. Uh, companions, this is Dr. Rudolf van Richten, my mentor. Van Richten and bows. The man who literally wrote the book on vampires. Metran pulls the book out. Yeah. Van Richten uh, regards it. Well, that is, well, that is good to see. It is a bit of an older edition, but I am glad to see that my publishings have uh, acquired some use. Well met to all of you, if you are friends of Esmeralda Davenir, you are certainly friends of mine. He bows, uh, sweeping his hat off of his head. Well met, indeed. So, he uh, gives a uh, deep curtsy. If, if you know how to kill a vampire, then... I'm going to put all my faith in you. He blinks. Kill vampires. Well, he looks at Esmeralda. I suppose I should not be surprised. She does seem to pick up uh, interesting company. Interesting is one word for our little mission that we're on. I always enjoy things that are interesting, but um, please, if you would like to uh, uh, have a seat, I confess that uh, I have not kept uh, many chairs or other creature comforts. Uh, I do not host guests very often, but uh, please make yourselves at home. I, with uh, all due respect, and uh, Metron looks back at the others, especially uh, Amity, and uh, is, is Mark and Lillison up there yet? Uh, at this point, uh, Esmeralda nods uh, toward the platform and murmurs something, and you hear begin to descend. Uh, you get the sense that they'll probably be up shortly. Okay. Uh, well, he looks back at Amity at least. Uh, and, uh, yeah, um, there's another wagon out there, and and it belongs to someone we sort of have met and uh, might be a, a bit of a, I guess, suspect in a, in a, a bit of a, a crime against the city of Alaki. Not that I mind, per se, but uh, do you know what happened to him? Van Richten raises an eyebrow. Well, I think that, um, well, I cannot comment uh, exactly. I think that it uh, might be a while yet before the good uh, Carnival Master feels uh, well, before he returns 
to Velaki. Oh, you're acquainted? Did you kill him? <laughs> you killed him, didn't you? I assure you, I did nothing of the sort. I hunt monsters, not carnival men. But you have his big cat that was apparently roaming the streets, so forgive the suspicion. <laughs> well, on the ship is um, a confusing thing at times, but well, you're right about to that. say that um, Ramesses is uh, a known danger in my possession. Yeah, that did nothing to convince Kiva that he didn't kill the carnival man. <laughs> yeah, at this point, at this point, uh, Van Richten sighs, uh, noting the uh, looks around you. He uh, glances upon each of your faces for a moment, and then says, "Well, I do suppose that there is no need for introductions." as if you are quite so leery of me. Perhaps uh, Amity, as a fellow entertainer, you could vouch for? Wait, we didn't, we didn't tell him my name, did we? No. no. Um, Kiva narrows her eyes and is just like, okay, is this, are we sure this guy isn't just Strahd fucking with us? I mean, is that, is this what's happening right now? Mind dream? Yeah, Bertram puts his book away and starts to put his hand on the handle of his hand crossbow. Wait, we're we're in an anti-magic field. I can't do any mind reading bullshit. But right, but it does, but Strahd already knows our names. So it does, doesn't need magic to know that. At this point, Esmeralda scoffs. <sighs> we never got tired of your games, Doctor. She turns toward the rest of you. Doctor Van Richten taught me all that I know about the art of disguise. If you met the carnival master with this tiger and Velaki and he had this wagon, unless there are two other individuals that have found this uh, isolated tower, I would think that um, in his infuriating way, and she kind of turns toward him with a glare, he is suggesting that you may have been, um, that you may have already met, but not know who you had met. Oh, so you really are a bard, just full liar. That's what, that's <laughs> what we're coming across. My dear, I am not a bard, but, well, I do um, apologize for the, um, way in which I had to, uh, Conceal my identity. How did she do it? It was so convincing. Yeah, I've never heard anybody who can mask their accent that well. Or Usually a little bit completely fucking different. Van Richten offers a tight smile. There are many things that I have learned. But uh, perhaps we can discuss that another time. Suffice it to say that, well, it is good to see you again in one piece. Yeah, what 
Okay, if that was you, what on earth happened with the tiger? Well, I have not uh, remained long enough to do any major investigation, but from what what I can clean, it would seem that perhaps, well, someone was fiddling with my uh, with my vac. Hey, well. You know, Ez could probably teach you a few things about security if you're interested. Her thing explodes if someone is supposed to touch it that uh, is not her. Does it now? Well, perhaps it was uh, for the best that I did not fiddle with it when I arrived. Okay, uh, all this is very nice, but you know us. You've at least been acquainted. And you're going under a false identity, Piran Velaki. I presume you're from, and from the make of the sword you gave Ismark, you're from the outside world. You mind? I know what we're doing here, but would you mind sharing what you are? At this point, you hear the creaking and groaning of the chains come to a halt, and Lilith and Ismark and Irina, if they have decided to ascend, uh, may step out into the upper chamber. Is Lilith accompanying? Yes, uh... Down below, uh, Lillison tried to, you know, stand on the platform as, as far apart from Ismark and Irina as possible and, uh, you know, told the clay golems exactly what she had heard Esmeralda say. Ben Richter nods uh, in recognition as you uh, ascend to the floor. Listen, good to see you. Lulison raises an eyebrow, looks at everybody else, but just says, And a very good day to you, sir. Oh, he's the, the carnival guy. Love. Isn't that fun? She stops and just, like, looks at him very hard, um, especially looking at his, his eyes and ears. I have uh, apologized uh, to your friends, um, the deception, uh, it was not my intent to uh, uh, pull the wool over your eyes, as it were. But um, you are well met now, and I am grateful to see that you seem to have come into uh, such illustrious company. Esmeralda has been a great source of information, and hopefully we'll become a great friend. I must confess I am rather surprised to meet you like this and to learn that we have already met. Indeed. Uh, well, again, I apologize for the uh, deception, but um, it was necessary um, given the purpose with which I uh, had come to uh, this land. And you... that purpose is? Well. He turns to Esmeralda, uh, inquisitively, and she nods. He sighs, uh, shaking his head a bit, and turns to the rest of you. Well, if the cat is uh, out of uh, the back, uh, I ventured to uh, Rovia, 
for the purpose of destroying the vampire, Count Strad von Zervich. Oh, look, it's great. a whole party of people. I knew it. Amazing. Well, indeed. And I must ask you that, um, of course, that this conversation is in strict confidence. Uh, Maybe. The vampire spies are everywhere. And one would not want to uh, hear that well. Or actually, if we're in an anti-magic field, we can narrow some of the sources down. He kind of like, Erethmundir checks out the windows to see any signs of animals. Make a perception check. All right. Uh, just so you know, though, he, uh, has, he has, has been worried about the Metreon. 14. 14? You don't see anything out of the ordinary? Yeah, I mean, he. it's not like he can just hear anything. Presumably, he has to have discrete sources of intel. And if we're in a field that nullifies magic and we can't find any of his spies, then... At a certain point, we can't just let paranoia get the better of us. So you're saying that if if this place is not magical, then he can't spy on me? I don't know. Or actually, would Erythrindir know anything about spying magic? Does uh, make an, know anything about spying magic? Make an arcana check for me. Both of us? Or just yes. me? All right. Uh, either of you would like to know. 16? 8. Um, you've heard of um, Erythrodir, not the listen, but you've heard of um, divination spells, those that allow one to uh, track a creature from place to place. Um, though, as far as eavesdropping, there are a few spells. There is one that allows one to... Uh, eavesdrop by eye and ear um, in a place nearby. Um, and there is, of course, a, the far more unfettered scrying spell, which is more powerful magic. Huh. So, yeah, no, there is a... Do y'all know how wide the field extends around the tower? It is approximately uh, five feet. Okay, so that puts us in a weird position. Because, you know, there's spells like there's clairvoyance and scrying and all that business, which wouldn't operate inside the tower. But if he, say, plopped a clairvoyance eyeball down 20 feet outside it, then he'd still be able to see us. Ah, uh, hmm. So we could it's... cover the windows with these curtains. Hmm. It just go to blinds. Yeah, it's not safe, but it might be as safe as we can get. Like, in the, the country. There is something else, though, which is that last time we... Well, last time the vampire came to us, I'm like 90% sure he was messing with us here, but his parting words were, have you figured out which of you is the traitor yet? I, I don't believe that. Me neither. Metron narrows his eyes at Lillison a bit. Lillison narrows her eyes at Metreon. <laughs> <laughs> Regardless, I think we're able to talk here as well as we're gonna. I can give you my word, she says, as she's still kind of glaring at Metreon, but speaking towards Van Richten, that I will not be reporting any of this or 
your existence or identity or anything that might compromise our purpose here to Zarevich or any of his people. I would like to inside check that. <laughs> Go for it. I fucking love this group so much. <laughs> <laughs> that is so a what you get. Oh, that's Whoa. a five. <laughs> that is a 28 uh, deception. So, Lillison, what does Metreon notice? Met as far as Metreon can tell, Lillison is being very, very fervent and uh, uncharacteristically um, direct and, uh, you know, everything about this. She seems to just have her whole heart in it. Absolutely. So while the children are arguing, maybe we can get back to talking about, you know, the thing that we're here all to do, apparently. Van Richten uh, turns his gaze back upon the rest of you. Well, spies are, of course, um, difficult things, especially with a vampire at stake. Beasts not, and uh, not, not necessarily. I mean, if, but, if, we want, if we want to make absolutely sure, I could just go outside the tower and cast a zone of truth, and then everyone could say that they're not a spy. If, he, if you think that it's worth it. He glances at you. Well, my dear Amity, that might be um, a perfunctory precaution. But by what means do you know that uh, if there is a spy, they are acting of their own will? You might make vows today, but if Srod von Zalovich looks into your eyes tomorrow, can you say so confidently that you will not answer his questions? Hmm? Oh. Yes. Uh, I... I... What... Can, can you say yes? Look, he looked in and saw every part of me, the parts that I hate the most, and still didn't sway me to his side, so... Unless... I, I mean... Again. That, that's what I thought he meant when he said looks into my eyes. The, the, the whole thing where I, you know, think he's my friend and everything's all namby-pamby. Right, but do you think he's your friend now? Well, no, but I mean, back then when he he did charm me, I mean, I I don't know if I was in that state, I then he could probably get all the information that I'm, I learn here out of me, right? That's the point. Indeed, very astute of you, my dear. And well, well, vampires are certainly nobody's friend. In the right circumstances, we see white slip-ups. Well. A vampire cannot enter a dwelling uninvited, but a vampire can certainly coax one who thinks that they are a vampire's friend out into the moonlight, where a friend is waiting for them. Uh, here's a question. While we're, you know, while we've actually got a moment where we have people who know things, that effect, the charm he can do, is it a, is it magic, or is it like his claws, just kind of a something born from the creature he is. It is, uh, in a manner of speaking, boss. It is magical in nature, but it is innate to him. It is of the vampire's essence. Would it, do you know, do you think it'd work in here? In this tower? I very much doubt it. 
Uh, well, it might be exercised, perhaps. For the time, well, it might take root, but it might be suppressed. When the victim steps outside the door, it might reassert control. So this gives us a picture, then. We can't assume that any of us are necessarily reliable as long as we're outside here. We could be taken while we're alone, charmed, and then made to talk. That's what we're working with. Precisely. We don't stick together. Forever. Well, at least until he's dead. There's going to be occasions where we need to be in separate rooms, separate buildings, like... I don't think that's feasible. I mean, my plan is, if I'm ever in that situation, then I'll just die before I talk. So... That seems to work. Well, that might work for you, but it don't work for all of us. Erythrindir looks sick. Can we... So do we just not... We don't discuss plans together then. Period. Until we're sure... Until we have one that we're about to execute on that kills him. I mean, does it even fucking matter? I mean, he's everywhere, you know? And if he's not going get, to get it through me, he's going to get it through someone else. And That's what I'm saying. I think at this point, we just have to... If we never discuss plans with each other, then nothing will ever get planned. How are we supposed to be able to work as a unit? They He'll standard, just pick us off one by one. The standard sort of thing to do in these situations is to have one person who is uh, devising the overall plan, who speaks to the others only about their particular role, so that if one of the others is taken, they cannot tell everything that everyone knows, but only their part of it. That also works in a military structure, but none of us is a clear overseer. Amity she, coughs and points at Van Richten. Yeah, she looks at Esmeralda and Van Richten. Yeah, no. No offense, but I met you all yesterday, or today in some case. I, I, I don't trust you that much yet. Van Richten chuckles as well. And well, you should not. Perhaps you shall survive the Mr. Barovia after all. But regardless, I would not think to impose myself upon whatever machinations your group might uh, think to put together. I trust. I, I have my own uh, uh, plans in motion. Well, listen, I trust him enough to keep us alive. And I mean, either either offer, you know, uh, how, how bad the guy, how, how bad could he be? When you talk about your plans, I'm assuming they don't involve teaming up with a group like us. I'm afraid not. I, uh, I work alone, my dear. But I wish you the best no, in, that's... uh... I'm just asking what makes you so confident that you'll actually be able to do something on your own? Yeah, no offense, you're not, but you, you know, you know, spring chicken. He gives you a, um, sideways glance. Well, I cannot dispute that, but... 
then again, perhaps have we, have, as we have discussed, um, you shall forgive me if I do not uh, share what I might have in my thoughts. Look, I, I don't want your secrets. I just, if you fail, then what does that say then about I our fail. plan? So right, there's no hope for any of us. So I guess I'm just asking if you happen to know of anything, sure, maybe trusting someone, and she looks at Esmeralda with that knowledge, might be helpful in case you do fail, so that other people can try to finish what you started, instead of just running off and leaving them high and dry looking for you. He sighs, uh, kind of rolls his neck for a moment, and then uh, glances toward Esmeralda with a Eyes, eyebrows somewhat raised. Well, I do not believe it wise to uh, spill the beans on everything as it were, and well, my dear, you must understand that in the realm of vampire hunting, nothing is certain. No hunter, no uh, no man, no woman, no creature is capable of knowing what may come tomorrow in certainty. We can do what we can to bend the threads of fate. And if uh, they come out in our favor, then, well, you would not find me complaining if uh, my own plots turn out to be uh, successful. But in the meantime, since you do well, well, if Esmeralda trusts you, well, I am not willing or capable to show all that I may believe. I am glad to share certain things of what I may know. If nothing else, as a gesture to my former greatest student. So, and he takes a seat in the chair again, uh, leaning the cane across his knee, tilting his head up toward you. If you have questions, by all means, ask. Well, see, I got this book here, yours, and a lot of it's just kind of rubbish. Uh, not that you're writing rubbish, but a lot of the pages is uh, either water damaged or torn out completely. Uh, maybe you could fill some of it in, you know, like uh, you know, some of this on uh, kind of starts to flip through the book, uh, like you know, undead spirits, things like that, you know. My dear, if I were to go through such things in depth, we would be here for days, if not weeks. And I do not believe that either of us has that kind of time. Specific questions, if you please. Weaknesses. We've seen that Strahd, very difficult to hurt, has some that his spawn, Idlite and him, have some sort of inherent healing and some sort of reddish bear. Was that what you said, Kiva? Like a red... It's like, it's like a shield that comes up, like a like a spell shield, but it's not magic. He's not casting it. It just it happens when you hit him, but it did break. He, or he stopped using it. It it wasn't permanent, but every hit that I landed at a certain point, it took longer to heal, and that was after the red thing broke. So, do you know anything about that? Then Richton leans in close, his eyes fixated on you. Fascinating. So you have seen the heart in action, have you? 
it was a shield. Like I said, it wasn't a heart, but it was it was a shield. It is well, it is a heart. So, well, what you are describing to me is matches exactly what I have heard from some other sources, but not in quite so great detail. I have heard tales of a reddish energy, in some cases it's described in others as a force field that encompasses Von Zarevich at times. From my studies and from those that have, from one in particular, the bard Krekeli Corian, who ventured into the heart of Castle Ravenloft and by some eldritch means, by some purpose of the vampire, was permitted to escape. I have heard reports of the source of this power. It is called the Heart of Sorrow, and it dwells within the castle, deep within its falls. Where exactly, I do not know. One report places it within the towers, but the way you are describing it, of this protection, this perfect regeneration that expires after a time, it matches what my notes have reported of this heart. So if we destroy the heart, it goes away? Uh, did I mean, I don't think I hit him that hard to destroy it when we were fighting. It seemed like he did it on purpose. Also, how can it be protecting him if it's in Ravenloft? Is there, like, a link? That is something that I cannot... Uh, properly express. I am not a uh, scholar of the uh, intricacies of arcane law in certain respects, but it well, is probable am, that there is some but... sort of magical connection between the two, between Von Zarevich and this heart that dwells within the castle. Interesting. So theoretically, Are if the... we could get him in here, somehow sever that link, if it's a magic connection, then Huh. Are, of course, that they... is, of course, one of the many things that he wields, but yes. It is possible that uh, if the connection is magical in nature and not something deeper, that that might function in the way that you envision. Do you know anything else about the heart maybe having some mists or, or, or these like swirls of mists, like a, like a tornado? Every once in a while, it would swirl up around him and then and dissipate. But there were three, and and then two, and then one left, and and I don't know what that was either. He nods. Vampires, like many other ancient creatures and powerful beings, they wield a great internal constitution, one might say. Um. In some species, dragons, for example, uh, they manifest as great spirals of flame, as arcs of lightning. But vampires are connected deeply to mists, to the place where air meets water, to the place where the swirling fogs of cloud obscure and conceal why it is by their nature that they transmute themselves into mist and are reduced to it if they are destroyed beyond their resting place. It is not surprising that uh, this, a part of them, they are able to split off a part of their being and in doing so, resist or bar certain 
damages or certain varieties of spellwork or other things that might otherwise render them helpless. Right, yeah, because like he didn't blink at all that shit we tried. Like Amity, that kick-ass curse. That was cool as hell, by the way. So if we if we work through that barrier too, he would be more vulnerable to spellcasting. Indeed, or any things that you might wish that targets his weaknesses. But um, I would caution you, he cannot do it indefinitely, but as a mage's spell work re uh, is regained following a rest, so do these creatures regain the parts of them that they have spent. It is not infinite, but it is renewable. Does that include this heart, too? The heart, I cannot say. From its descriptions, it perhaps may be some sort of arcane artifact, but I do not know the nature of it, only that it protects him to an extent, after which it does not fully, especially according to your descriptions. Um, that is the first that I have heard of um, him losing, or perhaps sacrificing its protections after a time. I cannot say exactly what the nature of it is, but the fact that it was not persistent after a time may suggest that, well, it might have its own limits as well. So essentially, we have one shot to do this, and if we give him the chance to rest, we have to start from scratch again. Indeed, and in more ways than one, vampires, elder vampires, have the most, are among the most powerful regenerative creatures known to mankind. Leave him for a day and he will uh, rework his magics, his protections. Leave him for a minute. And every wound you have dealt him, so long as he still draws breath, shall be healed as if it was never there. What sort of damage can we do that doesn't heal? Well, sunlight is the archetypal uh, weapons that one wields against the vampire. Well, we're kind of shit out of luck there. <laughs> Indeed. That is why there are other means. Um, if one is able to entrap a vampire in their resting place, there are, as I'm sure Esmeralda knows, um, the wooden stake. One can uh, lock the vampire inside of its coffin if found there. But that is extraordinarily unlikely and difficult, not least because, well, vampiric forces uh, tend to surround their lasting places with many protectors and traps, both magical and otherwise. Should you find Zarevich's coffin, well, I do not doubt that there would be 15 ways to die in short order before it. And beyond that, even while within their coffins, vampires are not helpless. Regarding lasting damage, did the abbot not tell us of a woman who wielded some sort of blessing or protection, and even though she died, she made him walk with a limp for some time afterwards? The tale of St. Markovia. Yes, I am quite uh, familiar with it. She is one of the earliest to take up arms against Von Zarevich in his uh, unholy form, shall we say. But um, she was uniquely positioned. Uh, the holy magics that she wielded 
according to the tales, was sufficient to, well, conjure the radiance that few others could wield as she could, and she was joined by an army of priestly warriors. Um, even she fell, though she came far closer than most in the uh, centuries that have uh, preceded her. But yes, if one is able of, capable of securing sunlight, or its equivalents in the arcanum or divinities, and yes, the task becomes far easier, but without it, it is uh, far more difficult. Not mm -hmm. that it is impossible. Uh, I have done it. I have seen it done. But without that, it is uh, far more of a trial. Have you ever been in his castle? Personally, no. Do you know anything about it? Uh, well, I know some things. If you have specific questions that I might answer, perhaps I might answer them. Well, uh, uh, what kind of uh, uh, security measures has it got? <laughs> well, by all indications, there are undead. There are the zombies, there are, there have been reports of ghouls, uh, creatures that I have come to uh, recognize by description as perhaps vites as well. Beyond that, there is, of course, uh, Von Zalovich himself. And uh, from the tales that I have heard, he is uniquely empowered the, behind the walls of the castle. If one were to confront him therein, he would be at the height of his power. Does, does no one actually live there, then? Is it, like, it's not used functionally? It's just blind of the dead? It is possible that there might be some mortal servants there, whether charmed or imprisoned or enslaved. Vampires are quite fond of exercising dominion over the living in times that uh, may suit them. But it is not as you might imagine... Well, lords ordinarily elect keep so that the peasantries may retreat inside. I am certain that no peasantries would wish to retreat inside this particular keep. Uh, so you mentioned, uh, like, he's got to go back to his, his crypt, his coffin, if he gets turned out, like, misty thing that you talk about. But what happens if, like, say, one of us destroys the coffin? Well, in that case, uh, you would have a very upset vampire after you. It is possible that, uh, well, some vampires are known to divert the burial soil in multiple places, uh, constructing uh, concealed additional resting places for themselves. But there was one that I knew that um, protected a final sanctuary um, in a place uh, considered only by a crack, through which only the vapor of the mist of the vampire could enter. But uh, that is uncommon and, uh, well, that is extremely uncommon, given that most vampires are far too arrogant to consider such countermeasures, especially when such a Strahd, who the, the level of control he exercises over his domain is quite unprecedented amongst his kind. His arrogance could prove to be his downfall. Um, do you believe that this castle was constructed as a fortress at any point, even if it was not constructed to shelter um, his people? Or is it 
more of um, a manor or entertaining house that is no longer used for that purpose. Oh no, my dear, it is quite a proper keep. The walls and the architecture have been described in great detail in the uh, records that I have managed to obtain. The walls, not carved, not built, but forged by magical, by magic in the shape of black stone that rises as if forged from the very pillar stone of Ravenloft. It is a proper castle, my dear. And dear groans deeply. Well, well. If Zarovich wished it, I am certain that he could, uh, well, defend it quite easily. So, again, well, one must take care not to underestimate the vampire. One must also prepare to take advantage of holes within precautions that they might choose not to take. So, you so one must not act before confirming such things, of course. Of course. So you say you have, like, the the like the plan, the layout of, of Ravenloft, do you? Not as such, no. Oh, sorry. That sorry. is not something entirely open to me. There is, of course, the broad strokes. There are places within the castle, uh, obligatory places that any castle might have. There are dungeons. There are uh, rumoredly living quarters. There are towers. There are dungeons. Um, I have heard that there is a quite an expansive catacomb beneath Ravenloft, filled with crypts of the dead. But um, as far as the actual plans, no. If one were able to find the architects that had constructed it by those plans, I am sure that Zalovich would um, not allow to remain uh, easily accessible. Uh, got it. I was really wishing you had some kind of guide to Ravenloft or something. Boo! Get off the stage. When are we firing Jack? Oh my god. One thing that I would caution you if one is aiming to confront Zalovich at any point within this castle. It, of course, goes without saying that he knows the place better than Phil. Better than you know the back of your hand, I would wager. And, of course, there are the undead within it. There are the traps and the magics that lie within the castle walls and the dungeons below. Countless outsiders, those, both those that have sought to take up arms against Rod, Von Zalovich, and those that have not have found themselves lost for eternity uh, behind its walls. But Von Zalovich himself is a terror within the keep. Stories tell of the vampire's ability to command the spirits of the dead that dwell within its walls, of his dominion over the shadows of the living while they dwell there. By even some stories reports that he can pass through solid walls like a ghost. Oh, bullsh. No way. No, no. He can't. Uh, okay, fine. Folklore, but if he can do that, then we're not fighting him there. I'm not going to. <laughs> we could be enormously powerful and he'd just go, nah, and step through a locked door. Like, no. No, okay, we're catching him outside. Great. Indeed, they... it should be little wonder why uh, St. Markovia at the height of her power was struck down. Are there... Hmm, are there enough explosives in this valley which are not in Esmeralda's wagon which could be used in some sort of sapping operation? If the walls are not whole, then it does not matter whether he goes through them. We can simply follow... 
<laughs> that is not something that I would uh, have any indication of. Um, there's certainly... Um, well, that is a question, a question that you might be better equipped to answer than I have. I have not uh, heard of any such thing, so it is an intriguing proposal. And he kind of looks at you for a second, and you get the sense that he's kind of like waiting you approvingly. Lillison, like, like you get the sense that this is a guy who respects thinking outside the box. Lillison um, sort of half recognizes this, but mostly she's thinking about you know sapping and mining uh, <laughs> strategies. So she's just going to step back and like think about that for a while. Is there a way that to like stop him from running away? Like I know there's magic that can stop people from moving. Well, there is one, um, there are magical spells, of course. There is, also from what I have heard, there is uh, one um, artifact, of course, that at one point he feared. But it has not been uh, heard of uh, in this land for many generations, if not centuries. What is it? It is an amulet. Um a small platinum amulet in the shape of a sun. It was in its time known as the holy symbol of Ravenkind. Legend tells of a, a holy warrior named Lugdana, Lug, uh, Lugdana who received it from well, a giant raven or perhaps a raven uh, as the disguise of an angel. Legend says that, well, that this uh, holy symbol was uh, a symbol of the good-hearted, faithful Abrovia that it has lingered here for many, many years, long before even perhaps Strahd came to the valley. So the legends are, of course, legends, and I am skeptical of the accuracy. But regardless of its source, it is said that this uh, holy symbol was once used to strike down dens and nests of vampires. It may be that it has some unique properties to bend uh, vampires, perhaps even so such as Zarevich, but it has not been seen in many centuries. If it's that long a time frame, then uh, I don't think we're going to be doing much good playing archaeologist. Tempting as it is. If shit is strong smart, he'd have it himself. Yeah, yeah, probably bury it somewhere put in a lead box and throw in the lake that's what i'd do indeed so as you i am glad to hear that you are perhaps recognizing that zarevich is well vampires themselves are cunning deadly foes zarevich is in many ways a vampire among vampires one does not survive to be nearly five centuries without picking up a thing or two is there so any without- way we can help you He raises an eyebrow. Well, as we have discussed, uh, if you would refrain from meeting the eyes of Strahd von Zelovich, that would be greatly appreciated. Though I understand that may not be guaranteed. Um, there are many ways in which a vampire can coax secrets from one's mind. But beyond that, all I can ask is that, well, if the death of Strahd von Zelovich is what you seek, that you do it as well and as best you can and that perhaps you do not dally long enough to allow him to figure out what it is that uh, you are proposing. 
planning and tactics are important, and I hope that you um, do your best to ensure your safety. So, how is you, that, you... how is you gonna do all this yourself? He just leans back in his chair. You will forgive me if I keep that too close to my own chest. But you're confident that you could at least make a good show of it. Perhaps. It will be one of the greatest battles that I have fought, and I have fought many in my time. Srod von Zelovich is known as one of the greatest surviving vampires here or elsewhere. That is why I came. And it is my hope that perhaps by my own small contributions that I may be able to do some good. But then again, if another is first to do so, I would not bear a clutch. Well then, Doctor. Thank you. Ah, you have given us more knowledge in the last 30 minutes than we could have probably ever gotten on our own. We won't forget that. That's a damn valuable thing. Indeed. I am glad to hear that my uh, answers may provide you with some comfort and guidance. Um, oh, not comfort. I wish you Precisely the, the opposite of comfort, but... <laughs> Good. You should not remain comfortable. Remember this. Moments of weakness in spirit and body are what a vampire preys upon. And if you allow a crack in that armor for a moment, the vampire will, will enter. And the vampire will conquer what it finds. So be wary. Herthrindir gives a long sigh and then looks around at his companions. Well... Looks like we got some work to do. Wait, one last question. Yes. If the tiger is safe, then can we pet it? <laughs> Ramesses is quite safe, though. It depends on who is doing the petting, but if you wish to uh, do so, uh, he likes it behind the ears. And he offers you a small wink and sits back in his chair. Well, are we, um, are we going to continue to head out or should we try to stay here for the night? We, we got things to I'd, I'd like to get the, to this Eva sooner rather than later, personally. That's what I'm thinking as well. So perhaps we say thank you to the good doctor and get on our way. We don't want to interrupt him from his own mission. And she's going to smile, but it's not full of vitriol. It's, it's a hopeful smile. Rulison's going to look at him and uh, say, I understand that you will probably not feel at ease to answer if 
We ask how long you plan to remain here, but if in future we come across any sort of information we believe you should know, is there a way to contact you? He looks thoughtful. I appreciate the intent, and if you have some way of contacting me that um, may be capable, I would not say no, but forgive me if I do not uh, wish to uh, coordinate such things in advance. Should we meet Vanazaza one, uh, once again, I would be glad to exchange what we know. But until then, forgive me if I do not wish to coordinate such things. Should I expect that if I try to cast, like, a sending spell, then it might fail because you're here? Well, it's if I am here, then... Well, as for whether he might hear, that is a risk that you take. Um, but uh, should I be in this tower, then... Yes, I imagine that uh, I would not be capable of hearing it. Well, it's been a, a been a real pleasure. Thank you for the hospitality. Hey, so you don't happen to have any wine on you, do you? I do not. Ah, well. Forgive me. How long? Uh, how long is the travel here from uh, from where that that pool is? Which pool? Oh, there's a. And he looks over at Esmeralda. Uh, there's some uh, Vistania camp uh, over by some pool. What was it called again? Esmeralda nods. Sea pool. Yeah, yeah, that one. Um, yes. Um, it is a bit of a uh, journey. Um, perhaps we can discuss it um, uh, once we are um, on our way. Um, and then I can... Um, we will not be able to make it there by tonight, but uh, if we make it to uh, Velaki by tonight, then uh, we should be able to make our way to Seapool Encampment um, before sunsets the following day. Oh, that's uh, that's a bit of a problem. We uh, <laughs> um, might not want to stay over in Velaki. There's been some events. Look, we have safekeeping with the Martikovs. We know that. So if we can at very least get to the inn, we have some form of uh, safety in numbers. I'll, I'll defer to you, but I think we're going to have a hard time of it. The gates are watched pretty religiously, and I imagine we are public enemies number one, two, three, four, and five. Kiva gives a look over to Lillison and just says... Maybe things have changed by the time we get there. Hopefully. Perhaps it is um, rather rare for these things to occur so quickly, but I suppose some distance outside the gate we can stop and see how conditions look inside. But given the way that we had to leave concealed, I very much doubt we would be able to enter in any way other than being concealed again. Well, yeah. if if Lady Wachter was actually able to, you know, do her thing, now that that guy's out of the way, 
I mean, who knows what's happened? That is exactly what I am trying to calculate. I very much look forward to seeing how much power and change she actually is able to affect. Esmeralda nods. Um, well, um, thanks you, uh, Dr. Van Lichten. Is there anything more that uh, we think we need to do here? And regarding uh, Velaki, uh, we can discuss it more on the road. Yeah, let's let's get moving. All right. Um, with that, you step toward the platform, uh, and as you do, uh, Van Richten stands up in his chair again and fixes you all with a steely, uh, solid gaze, and says, "If there is one thing that I can leave you with." Remember, the fight against creatures of darkness is a difficult and often painful one. But it is a good fight and one that must be fought. Be well. And he nods and the platform begins to descend. Thank you, Doctor. I'll right. come back to get this signed. You hear him chuckling quietly under his breath, and then slowly the platform, shuddering, shaking, descends from the fourth floor, and Van Richten falls out of view. And I believe that is there we will take our break. All right. We have received Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. I can't believe no, Jack just got paid by Wizards of the Coast for that free shout-out. <laughs> I know, right? I gotta eat. You know, I gotta eat. No, no, I respect it. <laughs> Beautiful. All right, well, thank you all for sticking around. As always, we will pick this back up after a 15-minute break, and we will see you back here soon.